0: Welcome to 20-Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. This episode is powered by JVentures, a community-driven VC fund in Silicon Valley and is sponsored by Hillel Stanford, UpWest, and Hippo Insurance. Welcome, everyone, to our 73rd episode, and we have Anat Binor, co-founder and CEO of UCO. Previously, she was an investment partner at Innovation Endeavors. Anat is the co-founder and CEO of Uco Inc., a biotech startup backed by top-tier Silicon Valley VCs, which is solving food allergies and sensitivities. Previously, Anat was an investment partner at Innovation Endeavors, a venture firm backed by Alphabet's Eric Schmidt. Anat also worked for Israel's state attorney on Capitol Hill and with the World Bank. She received her PhD from MIT an MPA from Columbia University, and a law degree from Hebrew University. Anat, thank you so much for joining me on 20 Minute Leaders. Happy to be here, thanks for having me. Uh, this is so, so great. We met, a, I can't believe it was like five years ago, I think when mm-hmm. I sat on the, on the, like a teenage entrepreneur sat at the table and, and pitched this idea, which is actually about dietary restrictions, mm-hmm. which is why we're gonna have a great time talking about your new startup. Way too many things to even give about your bio, but just as a quick introduction, you know, founder of, of the Meet Program, which, which will, I, I'd love to know more about. Investment partner at Innovation Endeavors, one of the most remarkable venture capital funds in the world. And uh, we both know Drawer, and, and I get so much inspiration from just seeing the strategy that, that all of you have built out and, the, and your, the investments that you've made over there. And now you went back to being a founder which many would say... <laughs> Definitely not the typical route. <laughs> Anat, let, you know, but let's just start from the back. Meet. It is such a unique program and with so much impact that we have to give it first.
1: Sure. And I have to say, actually, I'm, I'm so happy you're also starting with it because you can't ignore what's going on outside today. So for me, as yes. you know, we both come from a place where conflict and kind of ethnic strife has been a part of our life. And history in every moment and meat definitely originated in our effort to solve it. So just to say what it is, you know, it's a nonprofit that we started in 2004. I started it with my brother and one of our best friends and two other Palestinian women. And the idea was really to solve the Israeli-Palestinian conflict or have an impact on it, by creating a network of future leaders. And we do it by bringing selling youth on both sides to a really rigorous three-year program and an alumni program where They get taught by instructors from MIT and Google and Facebook and many, many other companies. And they learn computer science and entrepreneurship and leadership and kind of really build initiatives together. Um, And the goal is for them to become
0: political, social change makers in their community to really change the status quo. Incredible. So you're actually looking at this conflict and saying, yeah, so there's a lot of things that are happening on the, on the top level of decision makers. But actually, why don't we take a more bottom-up approach and let's target those that are going to be the next leaders. And maybe if we can spark some curiosity and, liber- and, and some liberal thinking and open-mindedness early on, we can see great things happening.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, again, think about what's going on in our world right now. It's really about the human connection, the humanity. Yes. It's being able to understand that even when someone is totally different from you and you have perceptions, that we all have commonalities and identities, and can we connect around those places first? And if you think about your experience, probably at Stanford, you know, definitely my experience, it's one of the things that helped us uh, and led us to start me. It's the networks in our lives that change the way we look at the world, right? I always call them like the glasses. In which you, you see the world. So if you suddenly met, I call it like the newspaper paper test. You know, one of my best friends in my master's was from Chile. I never read an article before I met her about Chile, but suddenly I became really curious, had a lot of knowledge. So this is very much simplifying the idea. You cannot solve the Israeli-Palestinian conflict through that. But you can start to bind and create uh, commonalities and break down the barriers. And we do it also focusing on young leaders thinking that the impact model is really putting people later on in powerful positions who understand the benefits of working together and actually have the active network, right? Because it's those networks, they don't only change how you see the world, but they're your tools for making an impact, right? It's like when you see a problem, the first thing you think about is, who do I know that knows, that can help me solve this? And when Israelis and Palestinians never get to interact, do not know each other, they don't have each other in you know in each other they don't exist in each other's professional and social networks and we're really breaking that
0: I've lost you yeah uh, no I you. We're, we're back good we can edit this And I have to say that it speaks, uh, it speaks so, so truly to me, you know, coming into Stanford, I, you know, I did grow up on the line between Palo Alto and Tel Aviv, but honestly, it was the same type of people and, and you don't really get introduced to the whole world. And all of a sudden my best friend here on road trip with me, Santiago is from Mexico and he invites me to be with him and his family in their house. And I'm seeing this whole new culture, this amazing culture that it doesn't matter how much I would have read, I wouldn't have been able to really empathize with. And then the roommate who lives in front of me in the dorms is from Uganda. And he got a laptop when he was younger and he self-taught himself how to program. And he got to Stanford and he's talking about these atrocities that are happening and the, in the hearing it from a primary source. And one of my goals is now is to go and visit him and live with his family in Uganda, because of what you're saying that this human connection and being there. Not just reading about it as a second-hand source, but being there is remarkable. and not skipping away to innovation endeavors because we only have 20 minutes. It's impossible. I um, I should have done it a bigger... Why couldn't I have called it a 30-minute leaders? I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) Innovation endeavors. Tell me a little bit about that and what you did over there.
1: Yeah, so first of all, Innovation Devers, as, as I agree with you, it's one of the most incredible venture capital firms are out there to date. was originally yes. started um, as a fund that was solely backed by Eric Schmidt from Google and was the founding partner was Girl Berman, who's a very good friend of mine, an amazing guy. And the fund has grown significantly um, and includes a lot of other investors today. And really, it is an example of how you can use capital to target Big, massive
0: problems. Um, massive know, problems. Crazy. So actually, innovation never says we only tackle massive problems. Are you moving the needle? If not, maybe we should, maybe we're not the right partner for you. That's right.
1: Massive problems that honestly have a positive impact on the world. So not to confuse this with social impact, but really looking at the places where you can leverage technology to really shift the game in in either old markets or emerging markets, but in ways that contribute to solving significant things in the world. And um, for me, you know, it was, it was an incredible journey to be able to be part of that.
0: So, you know, break this down for me a little bit more, because, you know, as an entrepreneur and as somebody who gets excited so much about this world, it gets confusing sometimes. It gets, it gets confusing because a lot of people love to say that they're going to make an impact. Some of them are, some of mm. them mean social impact, some of them global impact, financial impact. Well, what, what are the differences and how do you, how, how has Innovation Endeavors placed itself as the nucleus of this, of changing the world?
1: look I mean you can measure impact in many different ways by the way even at meat right you look at the individual impact you look at a human scale how many human lives have we impacted you look at economic job creation or economic impact you look at solutions to health problems like disease or the environment and so on um, and I think for a venture capital firm like innovation endeavors you look for that intersection where and this is not about a double bottom line or triple but it is about that intersection where you Deep tech can significantly shift the way um, things are done um, in a way that also generates returns, but that can um, that can really create solutions and, and create a better world. You know, the question of how you think about that, it, it really depends at the end of the day. That's I the
0: innovation side of very, it. What? That's the innovation yeah. side of it.
1: Yes, and and what you believe are models for change. You know, I've talked over the years, and myself, I've transitioned from nonprofit to public sector, worked in the public sector, I've worked in VC, I'm now an entrepreneur. Um, You know, there are very different models of impact, but I think it's the choice, you make choices about what are the problems you're trying to solve, who are the people you're trying to influence, what kind of teams you built and cultures you built, and all of that is part of what you can think about as impact.
0: So uh, at the end, you know, the question uh, yields itself you can't be an expert on everything. You're a small team. Innovation is a small team. And when you're dealing with you know, these, these world, like the most difficult problems in the world to solve, you kind of need to be an expert on them to solve them. So how do you even go about being a partner in this, a, a capital partner, but also you know, sitting on, these, on the boards of these companies, or even just understanding whether this is a viable business that could actually reach that impact?
1: Yeah. I mean, again, although, and I have to say, you know, I'm no longer a partner. I'm now on the, on the investor right. side, but I can speak from the experience when I was there. And, and I'm also Please, super yes. lucky because innovation is invested in my companies on my board. So I get to stay very Yes, Yes. and, I, and I can't wait to go about it. Yeah. Yes. And I love so much, but just kind of my perspective, when I was more on the VC side, um, as part of what I loved was this challenge that every minute of the day, you're learning a new space at the same time, there's definitely verticals um, that you start to build pieces around and you understand and kind of deep dive into. Um, in addition, it's really about building networks, again, of experts around you, whether it's founders or other people that you can learn from quickly. It's learning how do you understand things as quickly as possible and are able to target the main risks and have a thesis about whether this risk can be... Um, Kind of de-risk by this team. This team and this company is the right team to de-risk if the opportunity is big enough. And I would say third is experience over time. As if you see, you know, it's, VCs like to say it's a mix of an art and a science. There's something to it. You know, each person develops their intuitive and instincts. Some of it gets a little bit on the bias side, but at the same time, you also develop certain approaches, frameworks, questions that really help you
0: assess those things pretty analytically. No, no, no. I love it. That, that's just that's just incredible. And not, I hope I left this enough time for this. But now you're actually on maybe one of the most exciting parts of the journey, being on the entrepreneur side, found, co-founding a company, not just another company, but a, a needle moving company that innovation endeavors and Coastal Ventures and uh, Mark Benioff, mm-hmm. Benioff is also part of. Uh, please just, what is Uko? What is that name actually? Because
1: <laughs> everyone yeah. asks. So Uko is—it's actually Uko. It's uh—it's the Finnish Ukko. from Finland. It's the god of like harvest and grains of the Finnish uh, mythology. And we wanted a name that um, was not overly bio, was connected to what we do, which I'll explain in a sec, and also had some kind of personal connection. I grew up going to Finland I love it. Uh, in the summers and. Have a really close uh, relationship with that country. So, UCO, we're an early stage biotech company. We're focused on solving food allergy and sensitivities, so things like gluten sensitivities and also peanut allergy and other food allergies. And we go about it. Did you really just say
0: that you're working to solve? You're working to solve food allergies like gluten sensitivity and peanut sensitivity. That's right. I mean, these are like that's huge. Like, you know, it some is, people say, I want, to, I want to sell more ads. I want to to have people download my app on the App Store. You're solving food, things that are killing people around the world. That's right.
1: And I have to say, you know, for me, going back to Innovation endeavor is definitely, you know, something that's super close to my heart. I don't think I would have ever left uh, unless it was for something like this. And as I said, wow. there's some um, Bob. Yes. Yeah, so food allergy, you know, I don't remember this growing up. And I grew up like, in, I'm an in-between person. I grew up in Israel and the U.S., I don't remember having allergies around me. Um, but right. The People on- didn't really talk about them even. And it just wasn't as prevalent. So... The data is astounding. There's been like a 50% rise in kids with food allergies in the past decade alone. We work with the best, best doctors literally in the world. And I'll also tell you that it's not clear why this is happening. There are certain explanations, but none of them are. There isn't one resounding scientifically backed uh, explanation. So yes, we are targeting, we, we basically design proteins and that are totally safe, but maintain all the other qualities. And we apply them in the food world and the therapeutics world. So both creating new types of foods and also drugs.
0: Drugs. So so, what is the vision for this? You're saying you're literally creating these different sorts of proteins that are going to be used in creating foods that we consume so that somebody who now couldn't eat a cake because of their gluten sensitivity, they'll be able to eat that same cake because the protein structure is different?
1: Yeah. What's your favorite bakery there in Israel that you miss the most or like in San Francisco? Oh, I don't
0: know. No, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a simple guy. I go for like Alcafe for Landver. Oh <laughs> Okay, so let's go tartine in San
1: Francisco, okay So imagine being able to walk into tartine in San Francisco and being able to eat anything that you want there it would be safe for anyone in celiac or gluten sensitivity. Today for people with gluten sensitivities, you know really the only thing you can do is avoid the food by eating gluten-free right. uh, gluten free is that not very tasty. Um, usually actually the main issues that are often very unhealthy. Because you have to add a lot of substitutes to compensate for the fact that there is no gluten. So, yes, for example, with gluten, our gluten proteins are completely safe, but maintain all our quality. So, you'd have amazing breads, pastas, pizza doughs that anyone in the world could eat, would be safe for everyone. And on the food allergy side, we're
0: actually developing a drug that would be um, a potential cure. Wow. Uh, both of them world changing. And at the end, how? I mean, I guess the, the biggest challenge would be to make this economically viable. Uh, so that the producing gluten-free pasta that is just as tasty is the same. I'm not even talking about the challenges of getting an FDA approval for a cure and that sort of thing, but is, is, mm-hmm. so is, is this really the biggest challenge or, or what are you finding now as you're going through this entrepreneurship path?
1: I mean, whew, the entrepreneurship path has so many challenges, um, you know, but that question of like, what keeps you up at night uh, on most regular yeah. nights, not during pandemics and, and you know, really civil unrest that of is course. so concerning and saddening. Um, but I would say, you know, definitely making sure that we have a good go-to market. We are a biotech company, biology is a tough partner in the route because you can't control it sometimes as much as it's not like if you hack all night or code all night, you can get it out and kind of, you know, launch and iterate. Um, Often it takes time. Experiments take time and so on. So, um, you know, for us making sure that we, the minute that our product gets out there, it's truly safe. And wonderful, and provides a solution for, for these communities is critical. We're actually producing our gluten through other crops, so it'll end up being um, also very
0: price, uh, you know, competitive. That's that. That's just incredible. And I, and give me you know you, you, a few insights on on this path that you're going on as an entrepreneur. So really, the things that do keep you up at night. I mean, you're you're, you're a mother. You have different responsibilities. You've gone through. You 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 did. You know the VC job. A lot of people are comparing it. That you're having a lot of the fun that an entrepreneur might have, but you still get to do your nine to five job and go have dinner with with the kids every day. And all and may, maybe not. Well, innovation, endeavors <laughs> <laughs> <Innovationaries>. no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but now, now you're committed to this, you know, seven to nine year journey, at least, of of running this company. And how how was the this decision? How is how did it actually work out? For me,
1: I mean, as I said, first of all, it was hard because I left something I loved. And I'm, again, lucky to have maintained it also in my life. But I'm also an operator. There's a big difference in your daily experiences. We see as you may experience and kind of the daily experience on the operating side. Uh, I love the operation. I especially love the zero to something. Those are my favorite things. I to love kind it. Of get um, so, you know, it's very different as far as you definitely dive deep. Versus in a VC, you go wide, right? Like, as I said, every two hours, you may be looking yes. at a different company. Um, you get the really macro view of the world. Whereas for me now, I'm deep, deep diving into our world. Um, so that's one difference. And, you know, you have to, there's the multitasking is, is immense. At MIT, um, where I went, you know, there's, uh, they'll say that freshman year is like drinking from the fire hose. So I think, especially being a CEO, it's like drinking from, I don't know. 50 fire hoses going on at once every minute of the day and really trying to figure out am I prioritizing the right thing is this really what I should be working on because it's all the time you cannot get everything done and when you add on to that small kids that price only becomes, you know that struggle only becomes
0: more difficult or a bigger challenge amazing amazing and I, I can't believe our time is almost up but I have two more questions first of all uh, it's a que- this is a very selfish question uh, because i i now have you uh, giving me your attention and i'm on my own entrepreneurship path uh, from the idf uh, to the amazing unit that i really enjoyed being in to now at stanford and i'm exploring these different paths from venture capital to to technology to entrepreneurship and i imagine that there's a lot of like-minded people that are going through these similar dilemmas of where do we prioritize and you know careers are no longer linear and i take so much inspiration from the path that you chose and and from a lot of uh, from a lot of your friends that chose and and what what would be your best recommendation or recommendations you would give to somebody like me who's really just starting out their path and has much, much to learn and many ways to go?
1: Yeah, I would say, first of all, I think I'm a definitely an example of connecting the dots and I'm still connecting it. You know, my background's very, very interdisciplinary and really went from one place to another. And I think one of the things I've learned, a few things I've learned, one is don't stay in your head too long. There's a limit to how much you can plan. A lot happens by doing. You discover a lot of new things about your passions, about what you really connect to, what you care about by getting out there and starting to do things. Oh. So can't plan the path it's never going to be the way you, you planned it exactly you sometimes have to jump and go and just keep thinking how it leads you it leads you forward people tend especially when they're in school to kind of really try to figure out consult with a million people and you get locked in sometimes and sometimes you just have to take the risk and move forward and know that you're not just picking one path it'll diverge along the way to other things as well
0: Totally. Okay. And very, very last. Uh, I w- half warned about this ahead of time, uh, but still I want just, you know, one, two, maybe three words that you would consider yourself as, or maybe your kids would consider you as, or if I would ask Dror or, or your co-founder Uko, Ukko, uh, who is Anat? Like what, what drives you? What, what is like the key thing that keeps you up?
1: I don't know if it's the key thing that gives, keeps me up. I would say, yeah, when you told me you may ask this, the reason is, first, I would say, I'm still figuring that out. I realize at some point in
0: my life... That's that, the best answer I ever got. Anat,
1: <laughs> I, you I like. know, a long time ago, I defined my... I kept looking for definitions and actually realized I, I don't want that. It's a dynamic uh, question. So I don't have one answer. Um, I can also say that I realize I'm really in between I'm an in between person, so many things. I'm Israeli, but I'm also American. Um, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a mom. And that's actually a strength. It's also a struggle because you have to balance and figure out and feel okay in uncertainty and your identity and so on. Totally. But um,
0: so I don't know. Hopefully that gives you a little bit of what you wanted. I love it. Anat, tada thank you so much. <laughs> Best of luck. And uh, just to keep inspiring me and others, please. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. <laughs> Take care.
1: Bye. Bye.